From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Doug Blair, and this is a special episode of Heritage Explains. On this final episode of our education special series, we discuss the left's attempt to teach your children that everything that you are and will be is boiled down to your race. If you've been listening to our podcast regularly, critical race theory should sound familiar. It's the idea that all interactions in society, both big and small, are rooted in racism. Heritage Explains was recently joined by Heritage Visiting Scholar Christopher Rufo to discuss how critical race theory has infested government, corporate boardrooms, and of course, the school system. Here's what Rufo had to say. Public schools are now teaching students, um, you know, as young as second and third grade that um, whiteness is synonymous with evil. Um, that uh, the police um, systematically hunt down and, and murder uh, black men deliberately, um, and all these other kind of uh, highly charged political uh, uh, kind of convictions um, that they're teaching as if they're kind of uncontested fact. This is obviously concerning, but what happens when these ideas show up at your kid's school? How would you feel? if your school district was hiring consultants to implement critical race theory in your child's curriculum. Ibram X. Kendi is one of those consultants. Here he is on CBS News. It is critical for, for white people, for people uh, in general, to, to stop denying their, their racist ideas, to stop denying the ways in which policies have benefited them, to stop denying their racism, and to realize that actually the heartbeat of racism itself is denial, and the sound of that heartbeat is, I'm not racist. On this episode, we talk with Jarrett Stepman. He recently wrote an article about the woke policies one school board tried to push on teachers and students and what happened when parents found out about it. Our discussion after the break. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer healthcare choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. Hey, Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're quite welcome. So you recently wrote an op-ed about some policy changes going on in Loudoun County, Virginia, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. Uh, can you give our listeners a rundown on what's happening there? This, uh, this policy change was actually the Loudoun County uh, Public School District, which uh, put down some new policies that they were going to be implementing a new uh, social justice, uh, you could say, woke cur- curriculum based on critical race theory uh, for their, their staff, for the teachers, for administrators. Uh, not only that, which I think that is already uh, problematic in and of itself, but they added to this through their code of conduct policy that 
teachers and administrators and all those who are now having to adopt this curriculum couldn't question it in any sense, that even in their public or even their private capacity couldn't say, hey, I don't think these are the right policies or I think that there's something wrong with them, uh, which, of course, brings up serious problems of uh, the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Uh, the, the school eventually had to back down on this. I think there was a lot of public pressure that this sounded like something uh, straight out of the Soviet Union rather than the United States. Uh, but the fact of the matter is these policies still remain in place in Lowry County schools where this, this woke curriculum, this woke agenda uh, is still there. It may not be absolutely mandatory as the designers wanted, but uh, as far as being unquestionable, but the, the policies are still there. And I think that it, it shows that uh, these kind of policies, they're not simply limited to the most uh, progressive parts of the country that we're really seeing these explode in counties all across the U.S., uh, including in Virginia, including in many places elsewhere. You mentioned in your piece a guy named Ibram X. Kendi and how his ideas, quote, ironically sound a lot like racism and encourage ruthless tyranny to boot. So can you explain, uh, expand on what you mean by that? Yeah, Ibram X. Kendi is a public intellectual. He's at Boston University, heads their so-called anti-racist uh, department there. Uh, he's gotten a lot of attention in the last year because he uh, takes uh, what he calls anti-racism, which, of course, I think, most Americans don't want to be racist, but his ideology is not simply based on you not being a racist, but being an active of what he calls anti-racist, which actually, uh, to a certain extent, turns uh, a lot of these, these old-fashioned ideas on their head. In fact, he believes that racial discrimination in the name of social justice is actually a good thing. Colorblindness, as far as how we see other people, judging them by the content of their character, not the color of their skin, uh, is in fact racism by, by Kendi's standards. If it does not promote uh, his concept of what he calls equity, which is the complete, uh, total, uh, perfect distribution uh, racially uh, in any occupation and any field and whatever it is. And so this is how he explains uh, the what he calls syst systematic racism of American society and Western society. And if you're actively participating in the ideas that he proposes, you're simply labeled a racist. Whether you think you're a racist or whether you've said anything that I think would traditionally be considered racist, you are considered a racist. And I think that these ideas, which uh, I think almost ironically lead to things like segregation, uh, I think are quite poisonous. And I think many people, especially those who've never heard of the concept of critical race theory, uh, I think really need to be worried about that we are really turning even the basic concept of what racism is defined as on its head. We've already discussed the proposed changes in Loudoun County, and you mentioned earlier that there are other examples of school districts trying to do this in their own curriculums. Can you give us a couple examples of places across the, the country that are doing the same thing? Yeah, nearby Fairfax County uh, actually brought in Kendi to consult, uh, paid him over $20,000 for simply an hour of consulting. So, uh, And they wish to implement a lot of this, his teachings, into their curriculum, into their schools. Uh, San Diego Unified School District uh, recently, which I, which I wrote about, uh, began the system of, of creating equity in, in their grading system where uh, they no longer uh, use uh, school discipline, lateness of assignments, things like, things like that. Uh, in their grading system because they say that 
those those policies uh, disproportionately affect uh, minority students, black and Hispanic students in particular. Uh, and so I think this is really the, the tip of the iceberg. And, and we're getting these things that are, are beginning all over the country because they're they're pouring forth from from academia, from media. I mean, this is something that was promoted uh, widespread by the media, especially uh, during the summer following the shooting of George Floyd and the explosion of Black Lives Matter and protests. And a lot of schools are jumping in on these ideas that have actually been around for, for some time, but are starting to really explode as, as far as uh, entering into our public institutions. And I think they very much turn around some traditional ideas about how Americans think of of race, how they think of the notion of, of even equality, which is why the, the word equity is becoming uh, becoming the norm. And, and these things are quite radical. I mean, they're even though they're entering into mainstream institutions, they very much uh, fundamentally change, I think, our basic notions of equality and justice. There's something I want to hit on there, because you mentioned that these types of trainings are radical. Uh, some people might argue that diversity training as a concept is helpful to understanding the experience of minorities in America. Is there a difference between this critical race theory and maybe something like corporate mandated diversity training? Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, there, I think the idea that this is simply diversity or sensitivity training uh, is almost a joke if you actually go and look at what they're actually teaching. I mean, these are they're, they're implementing things, especially you know public contractors and things like this, uh, essentially segregation, saying that you are, because you are of this race, uh, you have these essential qualities, that you're defined not as a as an individual or, or a human being regardless of uh, what your race is, but that essentially your race defines who and what you are. And of course, some, some races are considered better than others or, or simply, uh, you know, more decent or good than us. And they have this this term they call, you know, with a negative pejorative whiteness, which may not actually even refer to white people in particular, just kind of as a general pejorative is of, of being bad. Uh, you know, these are really radical things. I would say this is more on the lines of, of political indoctrination, not simply treating people to respect others and treat people with the, the respect that they deserve, but to otherize people, to divide people along those, those race and ethnic lines that I think, to a large extent, Americans as a whole have wanted to move on from, uh, certainly in the last 50 years. I think this takes us to a very different place. Uh, the idea that this actually makes people more compassionate or empathetic toward one another, I think actually turns, uh, turns this whole thing on its head. I think it actually does the exact opposite. It makes people more hostile to one another, see each other as uh, enemies or allies rather than simply simply their fellow citizens living together in a republic or working together in a corporate boardroom or whatever it is. And I think that's why these ideas are particularly poisonous. One final question for you. So let's look at some success stories. You mentioned that they dropped the initiative in Loudoun County to put this, this uh, critical race theory into the curriculum. What is effective? at stopping this. Are there any examples of initiatives at the local, state, or national level to fight back against this in schools? What can people do to get this out of their schools? Well, I think, first of all, putting a light on exactly what these ideas are is that first step and showing how they're not in accordance with American ideas of justice or equality, that they really are radical. Uh, I think that is that is step one. I really think it needs to be a, a public information campaign the proposals put out there by individuals like Ibram Kendi, who wants to create, uh, he wrote about how he wants to essentially create 
a executive level board, essentially a government agency with no accountability uh, that would simply determine all policies of whether they're racist or anti-racist based on what he and, and his fellow intellectuals deem it to be. And, and you could essentially deprive people of their civil rights for that. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy radical idea, but one that has been promoted by, by media and other sources. So I think that step one is simply explaining how radical these ideas are and how outside the mainstream they are, how they're being foisted on the American people is step one. And step two, I think as far as actually using policy power to fight back, I mean, it's why I've been such a proponent of uh, school choice as a movement, because I think these are the kind of poisonous things that, yes, they, they have made their way into our public schools and even private schools. I think parents need to have an option to put pressure on those schools and say, we're not going to take this. Either you're going to change those policies, you're going to remove them, or I may just take my child elsewhere. I may take my child and put them in another school that won't promote these theories. And I think that's it's an incredibly important tool to not have parents simply being trapped in a situation where they have to send their children into an environment where they're forced to accept this kind of indoctrination. And I think that's I think that's an incredibly effective thing. When you combine the public messaging behind what the realities of what this is, combined with the actual tool to put pressure on, on schools not to teach these things, I do think you have the ability to push back on these things and stop them in their tracks. Lots to think about. Jarrett, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, that's it. That's the last episode of our Back to School special. Thank you so much for inviting me into your homes or cars to let me explain to you some of the most important issues about education today. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and family, leave a comment or rating, or send in your thoughts and comments to editor at heritage.org. If you'd like to read the article that this episode is based off of, you can find it in the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much again for listening. Tim will be up next week with a brand new episode. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.